What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to 43rd and Woodland, where non-experts bring you expert advice for your personal and professional development. I'm Sean Ahern, and I'll be your host for this episode. And today, I'm super excited, super, super excited to sit down and talk with Christy Thomas, the owner and founder of BioNetworks, which is an executive search firm with clients spanning from the pre-IPO biotech industry to large multinational pharmaceutical companies to discuss how to successfully navigate applying, interviewing, and negotiating offers, which I know is everyone's excited to hear about, for full-time roles. So with that, Christy, welcome to 43rd and Woodland. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I love your cause and um, love love being able to help out wherever possible. Thanks for having me. It's so glad that we got to, to meet each other. I guess I'll put a little plug there. So how the heck do I know the owner and founder of an executive search company? And fortunately, Christy and Allison, who wasn't able to make it, shout out to Allison, are the ones who helped me get my new job at Arch Oncology. So that's how we met. I think we, personally, I'll say it, I feel like I've known you for years, but it's really only been a few months, but just the positivity from you and Allison, and then we'll get, get into that too with your company has been tremendous. So really appreciate you taking the time to join. Thank you. Thank you. I feel the same. And I know Allison feels the same way too. And I know she'd love to be here right now. So yeah, there's a special connection and, you know, I think you're just, you're so positive yourself and so easy to connect with and down to earth and, and um, yeah. So thank you. It's mutual. <laughs> yes. I appreciate that. I really do. And again, I think you are the expert to talk about all of this from, from your career, from, from everything that you've done. So before we jump into this episode, how about you just give a little bit of background about yourself and how you got to be the owner and founder of your own company? Sure. Yeah. Happy to. So it started, um, I guess I could go back to University of Washington days, you know, I was pre med all the way and ultimately decided I did not want to go to medical school and then had a little bit of a meltdown when I tried to figure out what I was going to do instead. So I I actually started in a a search firm that specialized in, we were were mostly focused in, um, well, it was all biotech and and pharma, but even more so uh, focused in oncology. And I, I did that for, for a year, and then I wound up recruiting myself into one of my clients that I had, had garnered, and the, the client was Immunex Corporation. So I had placed a few folks within that company, again, another um, immunology and oncology biotech. I placed myself into a role that was technically, it was an oncology sales, you know, oncology drug sales rep position. Um, but we, back then we function a lot more like clinic, clinical liaisons do today, just cause you know, the shift in, in the biotech world and ever changing industry. But anyway, I, I was up against a huge wall, uh, when I applied for that job, because first of all, I was 20, nothing years old. Um, second of all, I was female <laughs> in a very male dominated world. And, uh, thirdly, I had zero, you know, drug sales experience. So they wanted to bring in sort of this, you know, 40, 50 year old male phenotype who had been carrying a, you know, bag with general pharma, um, you know, antibiotics sales experience for the last 15, 20 years, whatever. So, yeah. So initially I was told, no, you know, we won't hire you. 
Um, the position stayed open for a very long time. It was a position based in Salt Lake City at the time I was living in Seattle. And eventually I just kind of kept pushing and hounding and, and got a series of interviews. And two weeks later, I was moving to Salt Lake City. So that I really credit. Um, yes, I, I did have a year or so worth of search experience, but I really do credit my job, you know, at Immunex is sort of launching me into this space. So uh, yeah, so I did that for about five years within Immunex. We were very, it was all oncology, um, immunotherapy focused drug sales. And then uh, we got acquired by a large biopharma, Amgen. And at that point, I decided I wanted to start my own gig. And more importantly, I wanted to leave sort of the corporate uh, ladder, you know, that, that whole focus of climbing the corporate ladder. And I also wanted to leave the city. Um, as much as I love Seattle, I really love and identify more so with the mountains. So I um, relocated myself up to British Columbia, uh, very close to Whistler Blackcomb Ski Resort. And I started Bio Networks that was in uh, officially in 2003. And then I incorporated in 2004. So yeah, a little bit of a, a journey through industry to come here and some soul searching as well to kind of figure out where I really wanted to be and what really made me thrive in this world. So here I am now, however many years later, 20 some odd years later. I can't, I can't believe it. I mean, We'll we'll say on this topic, but now I mean things just keep formulating my mind. I can see having a separate episode of just entrepreneurship and the fact of you just creating this own company from scratch, and like you said, the biases that you had to kind of overcome through those challenges with Munich and and starting your own company is truly incredible. And also want to give you a pre congratulations on reaching that that twenty year milestone coming up, like you said in two thousand three or twenty twenty three twenty twenty four. So yes, that's Thank crazy. You. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Yeah, that's awesome. But we'll definitely have you back for all of that because I think, and also I really think you're one of probably the most interesting women I've ever met because you also didn't share too much of why you're in the back country and all of the snowmobiling that you've been doing and, and everything like that. So just to add that for the listeners. She does it all. Thanks. I love sliding on snow in various formats. Yes. <laughs> Either woman-powered or throttle-powered. Either yes. way, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. Definitely coming up to visit. <laughs> yes, but, you are. Yeah, but back <laughs> to the topic. So, like, I mean, as you know, and we were talking before, there's so many different, I guess, like, strings we can kind of pull on here of, of where do we go with just successfully navigating full-time roles. But I think what I'm thinking of maybe to start off is just how to properly apply for a job. So as you know, we were talking before me being a young professional myself coming out of pharmacy school um, and then even applying for full-time roles, it kind of was just like, okay, you just maybe apply on their website. You hope your CV looks good and you hope you get a call back and, and that's it. But <laughs> see, the listener, she is shaking her head no. So please, please give us some insight on what you've seen in the past of how to pr uh, properly apply for jobs. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. I shouldn't, I shouldn't so um, vigorously shake my head to that because yes, it can work that way. Yes, you can apply through websites and yes, you can get calls back this way. Um, but is it the most effective way? I would say absolutely not. So, you know, I think it really comes down to number one, persistence. I always say persistence pays. It doesn't matter what you're, what you're after in your life, be it a, a new job or a promotion or 
you know, something very personal, whatever it is, if you, if you are, are able to persist, eventually you, you can achieve. And I do think that, you know, working your network, this is a, a huge, huge piece that I, I always advise starting with, you know, and, and this is where um, I think a lot of people, they'll, you know, take certain steps with in, in terms of working their network, but maybe they don't explore it to its fullest, um, fullest extent. So number one, I would say start with your, your family, you know, who within your family is either in the industry that you want to jump into, or is connected to people who are in the industry that you would want to jump into. So reach out to those folks. Then from family, you know, extend it out to all of your friends, obviously, you can extend further to, you know, your schooling and your background, um, you can reach out to professors or other students who are a year ahead of you or two years ahead of you in, in school. And Sean, I know you've, you've talked about that before, how, you know, you, you've had some folks ahead of you in, in Rutgers that um, were, were helpful mentors. So, yeah, so I think there are a lot of ways to really expand our networks and um, truly make our networks work for us. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And something I do want to note or do want to share is that, yes, I know that you focus within the pharmaceutical industry. I'm also in the pharmaceutical industry. But this advice, I mean, spans from from music majors all the way to, to medical doctors. I mean, I think spanning and working your network is huge, but I'm wondering if you could provide an example of, of a way maybe you think individuals can leverage that network. And the reason why I ask that is because I've had individuals reach out to me and I've been one of those individuals too of, hey, I see this job opening. Can you give me a referral? Or hey, can you look at my CV and think this is beneficial or this meet the needs of the job? So any other examples you think of yeah. really making that network work for you? Absolutely. So I'd say once you've kind of compiled your list of your network, you know, you can go through those folks. And if there is an opportunity, if, if they happen to be in the exact position, or at least close to the exact position that you're interested in jumping into, ask if you can shadow them for a day or a half day or join a, a you know, a, a specific meeting that is a, you know, a meaningful meeting that could give you insight into not only the job itself and the day to day and, you know, really evaluate is this something that A, you're even going to like, um, but secondly, putting you in front of those people, you know, the most likely if they are, if you are able to shadow them and, and sort of be with them for a half day or a day, you're going to make connections there as well. And I think just anytime we can put ourselves amongst folks that are in the industry that we want to be in, and particularly in the job that we want to be in, the, the more we can, you know, sort of get our name out there and, and meet with folks and talk to them and, and really understand, again, the ins and outs of the job, because you might also learn that, hey, this job isn't actually for me. I thought it was this, when in fact, it's actually that. And, you know, that's something that it, it's sort of a, a, a nice way to be able to evaluate um, if, it's, if it's actually an appropriate role for you. The other thing besides shadowing, you can also volunteer, you know, maybe there are ways you can, I mean, everybody likes to, to be able to take advantage of, of some, you know, someone's time. So um, <laughs> maybe there, maybe there are opportunities to jump in and volunteer in some capacity. Also, there are additional certificate courses and, you know, other um, fellowships. Sean, you can speak yeah. to your fellowship experience, of course. And, you know, there, there are different ways to sort of get your foot in the door or even your toe in the door. The other piece that I would explore, too, would be like industry meetings. You know, if you know that there's going to be a meeting happening at the 
hotel down the road, well, just go show up and sit in the bar with your friend and have a drink and see who happens to sit down next to you. <laughs> and maybe you move through the meeting and you, you know, meet some people that way. A lot of these, these meeting situations are, you know, you're not, you're not in a, you don't have to have a badge just to be there. You can be in the hotel or whatever and still be networking and mingling. So Bottom line, I think just increasing increasing your chances for meeting up with people in the industry in, in any ways possible is, yeah. is really about working the network. So. <laughs> I love that. And especially that last one, it kind of reminds me of like a movie when like you see someone in the bar and someone stays next to them and it's like a perfect picture moment where they somehow meet up and they, some crazy experience happens, but it doesn't have to happen in the movies. And I think that's really eye-opening for me and definitely to our listeners to why? I mean, why not? I mean, it kind of goes back to that persistent piece. Like, okay, yeah, there's conferences all over the place. I mean, even with COVID, everything being virtual. So why? Why not? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it's a really good way to go. And then you start having the conversation. And next thing you know, you're talking about what you want out of your career. And oh, by the way, I actually need to hire this person and blah, blah, blah. And away you go. So <laughs> you <laughs> exactly. never know what can happen. Seriously. And even that sec, the, even the, one of the first experiences you shared was like shadowing. I mean, yes. I feel like that's always tied to being a student. Like you have to be a student to shadow, but why not? Why can't you be a professional and shadow too? So kind of eliminating that bias and again, going back to that persistent piece and at least nine times out of 10, if anyone even asked me, why would I say no? You know I mean? If they're looking just to get an idea of the industry and I'm helping them either advance their career or figure out if this is the career for them. I think people are always willing to help and would say yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's an easy thing for most people to do as long as, you know, there's no confidential information or, you know, anything along these lines, but you can, you can pick and choose the days, of course. So mm -hmm. yeah, no shadowing is fantastic. Yeah, completely agree. And I think that even is a great segue to, to the second topic here of, okay, we now have that role of applying for jobs and, and figuring out what are the steps to get you to that application or maybe get you to that first interview. But before that, it's tailoring your, your CV or your resume and making sure that makes yeah. you stand out to be an applicant for uh, that job for that interview. So I think, again, kind of goes hand in hand with leveraging your network. But is there any advice recommendations you give. I know personally for me, especially within that fellowship role of PharmDs, we kind of leverage, again, individuals that are a year or two above me. That's what I used for applying for my full-time job. Is there any other advice you would give for individuals? Yeah. So in terms of, you know, sort of building your CV or your resume, I would say that, you know, we all... It, it, obviously, you have to have the the specific um, credentials, and and you know all of those pieces are are on somebody's CV or resume. But the part that you can't necessarily glean from somebody's CV or resume is the, the these are all the softer skills. So somebody's personality. How is somebody in a team environment? How is somebody? Um, as a manager, how is somebody as a direct report? How, you know, what, what is the energy level? Are we dealing with somebody who is um, a real get after it, go getter type of person, or are they kind of more of a lay, you know, laid back, let other people make the decisions and they will implement. So these different pieces obviously are, are not necessarily visible on the CV. And these are pieces that if you, if you have, you know, obvious strengths in, in the software skills, try to highlight them in some format. And, you know, I think the best way to highlight these types of experiences are, are through examples. 
So, you know, for instance, if you, you do love managing people and your direct reports love reporting into you, you can share, you know, you can show managerial progression on your CV, or you can make an outright statement of, you know, I, I very much enjoy mentorship and managing teams. I started with my first direct report in 1986, <laughs> 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 going way back. And I, you know built a team up to uh, built a team of 10 by 1987 or whatever it is. So you can show, you can show through actual um, data points that you, you know, this is something that you enjoy and that you excel at and you're, you're obviously good at. So yeah, I would say try to highlight some of those softer, softer experiences if possible, which is a, a tough thing to do on a on a CV or a resume. Yeah, but I think you you allude to the point of making it objective, your bullet points. I know something that I I struggled with when I was first writing my CV slash resume. I know those words are interchange, interchangeable for some people versus another. But for example, I was like I worked at a pharmacy and counseled patients. And yeah, that's great. That's part of the job description. But to your point, making that softer skill better to improve, to show my communication skills, I can say I counseled 20 patients every day on yeah. this type of thing or, or something more tangible examples to show, okay, yes, I can do the core basics, but maybe I can allude to my softer skills in a better way. Yes. Yes. Way. Or even more so, I, I had a uh, a, a 20 patient following who would see me regularly on a day or who would seek me out or, you know, so to, again, to show that they were coming for you, Sean, you know, these were patients that were specifically requesting to see you again, or yeah. So to, to enhance it, maybe one step further there as well, again, to show what a great guy you are. <laughs> <laughs> you better watch out, Christy. I think a lot of people may be sending you their CVs. <laughs> <That's all laughs> Maybe he'll have a little side gig here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, a great example too. And even something that I've learned along the way was practicing on your action verbs. So I know people will say sometimes just support or they'll yeah, say yeah. I managed or led, but maybe saying something like I executed on a, on a certain thing. I think that's always a way to help exemplify someone's skills uh, throughout their CV too. Yes. Utilization of higher energy words. You know, this is, <laughs> I think it's a, uh, it's a good thing. And, and yeah, high energy in general, you know, I, I think high energy goes a long way and when you can harness it and direct it and use it to your full advantage, it's um, it's a, it's a superpower. So. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And I, I guess even I don't want to assume because I know our listeners span from all the way from students to now professionals, maybe three, four years into their realm. But yes. even from tailoring your CV, then this is also my maybe ignorance, but how I've learned was trying to look at the job description on mm -hmm. their website and tailoring your CV that way is, do you, can you put any insight of what you think is the best way to tailor a CV just for that particular job or in general? Yeah, I, I do think that CVs should be specifically tailored. And I do think that will, especially if you're, you know, 
submitting through an internet portal, you know, that's going to increase your, your likelihood of, of getting a callback. But yeah, I do think it's worth it to, to specifically highlight the, the applicable experiences. Obviously we're not fabricating, but we are highlighting. And I mean, let's face it, this is a sales tool. So we are selling ourselves and we are highlighting the strengths that we bring. And we are hopefully also highlighting our ability to solve whatever the problems need to be solved within that organization. So I think highlighting the experiences and then also showing what that means. So, you know, back to sales, it's features and benefits. So here's the feature. What does that mean to you? What's the benefit to you? So I, I do think there's, that, that's a very good point, Sean. And I, I do think that that is a, a good way to look, look at it, to see, you know, what is the position description and what exactly are they after? But one thing I will say, a little caveat there is a lot of position descriptions are fairly vanilla, mm-hmm. you know, so as to cast a wide net. And, you know, once again, it would be great if you had an in within that company, if you knew somebody in that company that knew exactly what they needed, and then you can talk to that person and really get the, you know, inside scoop on what it is they're after and further tailor your, your CV or resume to that specific position. So again, no matter what, I think it's, it's all about working the network and, and, you know, finding sort of the, the inside pathway wherever possible. Yeah. And I, sorry, as you were saying your answers, a lot of questions are starting to spark up my head. So I don't want to make this a CV <laughs> resume yeah. workshop. Um, but I do want to actually share something because you did bring up the point of submitting your CV into a internet web base. It's kind of like a portal where they t- kind of take keywords and, and that's how it works from that, I guess, yeah. algorithm or program standpoint. And but, then it gets buried. <laughs> yes, exactly. So like you said, but the referral is huge. But I guess, I guess two things. So two-part question, and I'll, I'll space them out. So the first one, because it's interesting where your role is. I mean, you yeah. working with clients that are looking to hire people, but you also being an owner or founder of a company yourself. What I've heard, and you maybe have heard this too or not, is that individuals that are, that are I guess, hiring people will only take up to 30 seconds to a minute of looking at someone's CV and just, and just hit on the big thing. So that's why the advice I've gotten was, okay, make sure you hit your, your first page has everything there because they won't look past that. Do you think that is true um, from your standpoint? And I think that also carries into the second question of how long should you make a CV versus resume? So, Yeah. So again, I think it depends on, you know, at what point you are in your career um, if you're, if you're early in your career, you're not going to have a huge CV or resume. Let's just mm-hmm. face it. You, you don't have the years of experience. You don't have all the different companies to list off, etc. I do think that it is so yeah, 30 seconds. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty quick. I guess if you're a super fast reader, then, then that could be the case. But, but yeah, I do think, I, I think there's something to be said for that sort of concise, um, consolidated statement at the very, you know, your header, your header statement at the, the top of your CV or resume, where you pretty much summarize what what you do, what you bring. Mm-hmm. And again, features and benefits, you know, this is what I do and this is what it brings. But I don't know, at, at higher levels, for sure not, you know, at, at higher, like if we're dealing with, you know, the C-suite, then we are going through CVs with a fine tooth comb. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very different beast in, in that sort of executive 
search space versus entry level. So I think if, and it also depends on the number of resumes the hiring company has, you know, or the hiring manager has to get through. If they've got 500, then yeah, maybe you're lucky to get 10 seconds of a read. If, if they have five, it's going to be a very different story. You'll, you'll have their attention for, for a much longer time frame. but yeah. So in terms of having it be concise, I do think that that is a good thing. I think a one pager is good unless of course you're dealing with, again, a, a true CV where you have, you know, for me, a, a curriculum vitae is including all of your publications over the years. And um, so in that case, I personally, I love to see full-fledged CVs because I want to see the publication history. I want to see where this person, how this person got, you know, as I mentioned the other day from, you know, if you're in the immunology space, how you got from rheumatoid arthritis all the way over to oncology, you know, how, what was that publication pathway? And sometimes, I mean, you, sometimes you can see that on the CV, but sometimes the publications are the best way to, to, to actually realize that. So um, they tell a story, publications tell a story, but for, for junior level folks who are just getting their first job in industry, I'd say, yeah, concise one pager and that super concise header at the top, the one paragraph where you, you know, you state your superpowers and why, why this company needs to hire you right out of the gate, you know, that's, that's going to be very fitting. And also don't be afraid to take risks. You know, when I say okay. state your superpowers, go out on a limb, you know, be funny, be creative. Don't be run of the mill. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on the culture too. So you need to sort of ascertain the corporate culture of the company into which you're submitting your, your resume or CV. And if it's a, if it's a playful, youthful, like, you know, tech company, then, or scientific, then I would say, yeah, go for it, take a risk and, and be playful in your, in your intro topic. If it's a very conservative, you know, kind of old school money management type of company, that's going to be, you're going to be more conservative and buttoned up with your statement. But I do think there's something to be said for, for taking risks as well, when it comes to some of this stuff to offset yourself from the rest of the pack that is kind of run-of-the-mill vanilla boring yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that and I'm glad that you actually share that because I never gotten that advice before and especially yeah. in, in pharmacy school specifically for me and again maybe every major is different I've never really seen those one-line headers or sometimes I've seen people say like advise against it but your mm. explanation makes so much sense especially mm -hmm. because for these junior level positions you're not the only one it's not like a c-suite where there's only 10 individuals applying for the job like you said it's hundreds of people so how, how else can you make yourself stand out so yeah I'm, i want to take i want to take that from you i mean again yeah. selfishly with Perfect. all these episodes i take something awesome. away from them but i i awesome. love that <laughs> and then the other piece of that too sean that that i really like is that and then it kind of goes with this whole overarching concept of we always strive for mutual love and also that concept of if you shadow a company, then you're going to get or shadow a person, you're going to get a better sense for the role itself. So you want to make sure that you are getting into a company and a job that you're going to love yeah. and who in turn, those individuals are going to love you. Like we, we want these sparks to fly. We want the fireworks to go off and, and, you know, life's too short to work for companies that, that you're not stoked to get out of your bed in the morning for, you know, <laughs> you, you should be excited. Um, so I guess the point of that is if you can create a very specific and pinpointed introductory statement, then you're going to receive feedback from the companies that really appreciate that. So it's a way to 
kind of narrow, narrow in um, your search and also for the company to, to hone in on you so that we can have this mutual coming together, this mutual connection and this ultimate mutual love. Yeah, I think, I think that's perfect. It's actually a perfect bridge to my, my next question of working sure. with individuals like yourselves from executive firms and, and, and or recruiters, because mm-hmm. I don't want to toot your horn, but again, you, are, you were that, that conduit that helped me get to that mutual love with, with the company that I'm at now. And I think that's what you, Allison, and your team love doing. But I guess let me take a step back of individuals, again, either junior um, individuals like myself that, that had the opportunity to work with you, but even C-suite or people that have four or five years under their belt will have recruiters or executive firms reach out and, and ask if you're looking. So what recommendations, advice do you kind of give when, when a recruiter or someone reaches out to you uh, about a job opportunity? Yeah, very good question. So, you know, all firms work differently. And and I will also say not all search firms are created equally, Um, as is the case throughout, you know, every group in throughout all of industry, you know, they're they're everybody has a slightly different way of doing things. The end result is is typically the same and that, you know, search firms are, are working for companies, they're getting paid a fee by the company to find great talent, um, be it at a, a, you know, sort of middle executive level on up to C-suite and, and you know, governance level. So board, board of director members. So, yeah, so my advice in terms of how do you handle it when a, yeah. when a recruiter first reaches out to you? So I would say, first of all, if the recruiter is asking you to pay them money, <laughs> that's a big fat red flag. That would be number one. So be very, very leery of that. And, and you know, I, I, there probably are search firms that work that way and do well, and they're probably, they're fine. But I, in general, I would just be very leery of any recruiter that is asking you to pay them money uh, to find you a job. So when a recruiter reaches out, I think, well, some of the questions I would want to know are, are you retained for this? Is this a contingency-based search, Uh, meaning you only get paid if you provide the candidates? Um, If it's a retained-based search, they get get paid up front, you know, retainer to, to find the best candidates. Um, and then are you exclusively working on the search? You know, this is something that is, is sometimes um, in the contingency based recruiting world, a lot of folks, they're not exclusive. So there could be multiple recruiters working on the exact same position, which is just awkward and weird and crazy. And I don't know why companies do this, but companies do it. So um, so those would kind of be like, and you can get a sense for people too, of course. I mean, I guess if you've never talked to recruiters, maybe you don't have a sense, but you can kind of tell how knowledgeable they are about the company, about the role, about the corporate culture, about the people with whom the position will most closely interact, uh, about the finances of the company. You know, these are all questions that a recruiter should be able to answer very easily and handily. And if they don't, have the answer, they should be able to get it to you really quickly and easily. So, because sometimes what happens in the, the, the recruiter world, and I would say this is more on the contingency side of things, is recruiters will look for specific candidates where they have seen job openings, mm-hmm. and then they will go to that company and they'll say, hey, I've got great candidates X, Y, and Z here. They're perfect for your job. Hire me to fill the position. And they may or may not actually 
have great candidates, you know, but it's sort of a way that they can kind of try to get into the company and, and we call it backdoor their way into the company. So anyway, this is maybe too much into recruiting, <laughs> nuts and bolts of recruiting and, and different, you know, ways recruitment firms approach their business. But in general, you know, most, most folks should, should have a very good concept of the company, the people, the job, and be able to answer your questions handily and definitely should not ask you for money. <laughs> I agree. Fortunately, I've never run into that scenario, but I'm sure, like yeah. you said, it's definitely out there. But, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but even as applying more on the recruitment piece, and it, it's tough because we know each other, um, but for listeners that have never worked with recruiters before, I think a, a great thing that, that you can share is the trust and how much yes. you should be trusting a recruiter and how yes. that works. And something I just, I just wanted to personally share is that Again, at the at the end of the day, yes, yes, you have a job to do. Yes, I also have a job that I want to apply for. But you're human at the end of the day. And I think building that relationship personally for me and, and working with you and Allison is is what helped me along the way and allowed me to open up and trust you. But I, I also, when I was first talking to individuals about recruiters, they, they would tell me things of, oh, don't send your CV in a Word document because recruiters can change your CV without telling you and, and send it to the company or, oh, oh, when you talk about salary, say like I'm making up a number $20,000 more because the recruiter may not be able in your favor to recruit a good mm -hmm. offer for you or things like that. So I'll pause there um, because I, I don't yes. want to go too much into my incredible experience with you, but <laughs> anything you want to I know, I know, I know. This is a whole other podcast, Sean. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's go back to, sorry, the first part of the question, I should have written this down. No, um, it's all right. The trust piece, I guess, building that trust, relationship. Yeah, okay. Yes. So trust, you know, to me, trust is like anything. You you develop, you, you earn it and you develop it over time. And I think, you know, if, if the recruiter can come in with a lot of detail about the position, if the recruiter can say, yeah, I was just speaking with the hiring manager, or yeah, I've worked with this hiring manager for five years, or, and if they truly sound legit, you know, then you can probably start to trust that they, they have an actual legitimate um, opportunity here. But yes, I do think that, and, and also thank you for trusting us, Sean. <laughs> It's a no-brainer. <laughs> we appreciate it. But yeah, that is something that is, you know, I've always felt that it's something that has to be earned and it, it it's best earned over time. And there are sometimes, you know, you just completely click and you jibe right away with, with people. And, and, you know, I think we had that, you know, it was just a, an instant instantaneous connection and, and that's fantastic. This is, this is what we love, you know? So um, anyway, yeah, I, I think uh, the trust piece is big and you should go in there with eyes wide open. If you don't have a previous relationship with the recruiter and you don't necessarily know them, I think it's good to develop, you know, relationships with multiple recruiters over the course of your career so that you can kind of see how different people do things. And, and plus then when, you know, you are back out there looking again, you can go to multiple people as well at the same time. I don't think, you know, recruiters wouldn't give you that advice. Here I am giving you that advice. <laughs> but generally speaking, you know, it's, it's a good thing to have multiple recruiters in your, you know, sort of your 
your uh, reach, so to speak. In terms of trust, when it comes to um, CVs, Word versus PDF, locked PDF, et cetera, you know, I mean, we put our logo on the CVs and the resumes just so they're tracked. So, I mean, right there, we, we kind of, we do that no matter what. We read through CVs and resumes to check for typos and, you know, grammatical stuff and whatever. And if we find it, then we let the candidate know, hey, we found X, Y, and Z on da, 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 da. And then usually they say, oh, just make the change. And then we fire off a clean copy to them. In terms of compensation, so are we going to jump into the comp conversation now? <laughs> I don't know. I think I jumped it too fast. I jumped too fast. Okay. <laughs> we right, will get to that though. We will get but to trust, that. But trust, yeah. I mean, I, I would say before you start talking numbers with somebody, you, you definitely want to have a, a level of trust established there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's perfect. And I know, I, as I said, I was like, crap, I want to say that till the end because I do want to <laughs> ask <laughs> sure. one, one more thing. And I don't think we need to go too much into it. I think it's good just for listeners to hear though, because I know individuals that are, that are coming out of school and, and unfortunately didn't land a full-time role or a fellowship and they're reaching out to me and they're saying, hey, like, can I apply for this job? What do you think? And maybe they're not getting reached out by recruiters yet because as you noted, that maybe they don't have any experience yet to put under their CV to um, have recruiters being reached out to them. So I guess a quick 10 second snippet, because I know we talked about it before, but I think it's good for our listeners to hear. If they aren't being reached out by recruiters, is there possibilities for individuals to proactively reach out to recruiters themselves? Or what are your takes on that? Yeah, absolutely. That is a a definite option. Um, Reach out to recruiters. I I mean, I would probably say more effectively because generally speaking, recruiters are not necessarily getting paid a fee to place junior level folks. You know, this is, this is something that in general, you know, right out of university, um, sure there, oh, actually I I spoke too soon because there are, there are um, recruitment firms that uh, specialize in part time placement and they'll provide, you know, um, contractual workers and this sort of thing, like contract recruiters. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a whole different can of worms. And that's an area I know nothing about. So I won't even go there. Um, But that is another whole segment of recruitment. But I would say rather than reaching out to recruiters, when you're first just getting your start, I would say reach out, go, go on to LinkedIn, go on to social media, go on to you know, places and, and directly reach out to hiring managers or people you think, you know, potentially could, could be hiring in the future. Or you hear that, you know, this IT company over here is going to be expanding in six months. So maybe you kind of see who, who are the managers in, in that particular area. And then you can reach out to them and, and connect over LinkedIn or again, any other social media means. But yes, it is absolutely, you can reach out to recruiters and recruiters, you know, can give you advice and, and, um, you know, point you in certain directions, but I would say kind of buyer beware as well at the same time, you know, when you do your Google search, you're going to come up with a lot of folks and, and do your Google search specific to your industry. If you are looking for, you know, specific recruiters in the music industry, for instance, um, and, and yeah, see, see what comes up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that you share that just because I think it goes back to your first point of making your network work for you and leveraging your network first before anything. Again, it still is a possibility and not saying that individuals shouldn't do it. But like you said, beware of when you're doing that Google search, what you may come up with. And it may be better in your power to 
play the quote-unquote recruiter yourself and reach out to the hiring managers directly. And what's the worst case? They say no. Or most of the time, if, if someone ever reached out to me and I wasn't hiring, if, if I ever get to the opportunity, and I know another partner that is, then I'll say, hey, I'll refer you to this individual instead. And that just expands your network even more just for exactly. reaching out. Exactly. Exactly. It really is. And, and people are happy to refer. And I love what you said there, Sean. The worst they're going to do is say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can all we can all recover from a no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to jump right into it. I, I know we I wanted to talk a little bit about preparing for interviews, but I think that's a whole separate conversation. I, I do just want to add one piece though, that mm-hmm. to go back to that trust of working with an ex- executive firm or working with bio networks, um, if and when you have the opportunity, people out there listening, um, mm-hmm. is trusting them. And I trusted you guys when I was preparing for my interviews and you guys gave me, gave me the lowdown of the individuals I was working with and how to research appropriately and, and prepare for those. So I think, of course, with interviews and want you to hear your thoughts too, definitely doing your research, um, making sure that you're, uh, again, fit for the job, one, but also leveraging your network, one being you and, and Allison and the team uh, to help me get that insight too when I was um, doing interviews. So I wanted to give that shout out there, but anything quickly you wanted to add on preparing for interviews? Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think, you know, if you can, knowing your interviewers as well as you can is only going to help you. So any kind of, you know, if you can, if your recruiter isn't giving you the full, you know, LinkedIn profile on them, anything you can do to jump in and, you know, what university did they go to? What kind of volunteer activities do they participate in? What kind of, you know, are they marathon runners? Are they tennis players? Are they, you know, all these, these, again, it's kind of like the softer side, you know, where, where are places we can connect that isn't necessarily work for, you know, ice breaking and, and this kind of thing. So um, I think the, the better you can know the, the interview team, the, the better it is for you. Also, I always like to ask what it is they are seeking in this individual or what is the key key component they they are seeking in this individual or what is their key issue that they want to solve by bringing this individual on board because if you ask that question of the interview team everybody's going to have they'll have a similar answer but it will be slightly nuanced and and that just gives you so much insight as well into appropriately answering the questions for them because now you know what they are ultimately after and what is ultimately going to help them out. So again, it's, we're going back to sales 101, it's features and benefits. Here's this shiny feature that I bring to the table and here's how you're going to benefit. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I always like that. I like to ask the question and engage and find out what their most pressing need is at that particular moment. I think that's a a great point. I'm definitely going to take that, um, that slogan from you features and benefits. I think something (laughs) else that you, that, that I also want to add on from the candidate side from, from my end is when you ask that question, I feel like from a candidate, depending on their answer, if you can fulfill that problem or not, and if you can't kind of go back to your first part of maybe I'm not fit out for, for this job, or maybe this isn't the, the career for me. Uh, so I think that's also a good way, good way to spin it too, because it's a benefit, not just for the company, but also benefit for you. Because like you said, you don't want to lie or I guess, falsify anything that you've done this before you can, can do this. So absolutely to ask that question. Yeah. Unless then of course they're saying we have to have a minimum of three years worth of (laughs) oncology, clinical scientist experience, developing phase one and phase two protocols, or, you know, something super specific for X number of years. When in fact, Sean, you know, 
you outperformed that in six months in your Rutgers fellowship. Like you, you cleaned that, that right out. And sure, maybe it takes the next person three years to do what you did in six months. But again, that, then you, it's a feature and a benefit. You highlight it. Sure. Maybe I don't have the three years of experience that you want to check, check off on your HR box, but for six months, look at everything I did do. And I actually surpassed what a lot of people do in a three-year time frame. Yeah, I, I love that. And I won't go into too much, but I know something we were talking about is that years of experience bias. And I yes. think you hit the nail right on the head of how to overcome that, of exemplifying that during your interviews, exemplifying that in your CV, and surpass that, okay, five years of minimum experience. But you've done this already, or you've surpassed what the requirement is, but it's not the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that I, I don't know, I have a little pet peeve with because, you know, we, we look for the rising superstar. We look for the, the Sean's of the world. Oh, and um, we, you know, again, often these rising superstars are outperforming their, you know, kind of average counterparts. And, and again, what you can accomplish in six months, somebody else, it takes them three years. So I think, yeah, I, I, I love, I, I love that. I, I would always rather personally hire a rising superstar that is short on years of experience, but can actually show tangible evidence of success, you know, with, with specific milestones in place um, over somebody that's kind of done a run of the mill average job, but over three years as opposed mm -hmm. to the six months. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's something yeah. to be said for that. And Quality, I think I, not just quantity. I love that. I love that. And I think that's perfect for our audience with yeah. again, not with being young professionals and, and, and seeing that. I mean, I, I saw that as well when I was applying for roles too and exemplifying that and, and getting through that. But that's that's awesome. And I'm so glad we got to share uh, that piece with years of experience because especially for, for young professionals listening to this, I know that's something that they must go through and definitely see, but it's definitely possible to over overcome that. But now wrapping, wrapping up to the last question, and I jumped ahead a little bit uh, before when I was talking about trusting a recruiter, is that piece of negotiation. And I think there's two ways we can kind of go about this. I think even really, there really actually isn't much negotiating with a recruiter um, if you have that opportunity to work with an executive firm recruiter. I know something working with you, you do ask uh, for, for that because that's something that you leverage when talking to your clients. Um, so I think we can harp on that piece first of how does that work in terms of sharing that number, let's say, let's just be flat out with it, that compensation. I think that's, that's a big one of how do you even sh go about sharing that number besides, again, doing your research and making sure that it's a a an acceptable range, but also making sure that you're not asking for too much and this is, it doesn't make any sense of why, why you're pushing for it. And it may actually hinder you of actually getting that interview because from a recruiter exactly. standpoint, you may be like, this person is, isn't in the same wavelength of what we're looking at right now. So exactly. let's hit on that piece first. Yeah. 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 No, all good questions. So, you know, when it comes to negotiating, again, the more information you have about the position, about the, the compensation range and where the current people are in the organization. So, you know, you're not going to make more than the hiring manager. So whoever your boss is, you're not going to come in over her or him. Mm -hmm. So, so, so yeah, so the more information you can have, and once again, here comes the network piece, you know, if you, if you have, if you know of people in the company 
and you can get a sense for what they are actually making. And this is kind of, you know, often taboo that people don't want to share what they're making. But if you, if you say, Hey, listen, I'm applying for this position. Um, can you give me the range of, of what, what currently your company is paying for XYZ position? A lot of people can share that information and they may not know the range exactly, but they'll probably have a pretty good idea. They'll know where they are, mm-hmm. um, whether or not they share where they are is a different story. But yeah, so I think is, if you can find out what the range is, that's, that's a great uh, starting point. And, you know, there are services out there like Radford, um, Aon, Aon, I actually I think Radford and Aon are joined, but there are services out there that do just this. They, they do benchmarking and they figure out in this geographical region at this level with this number of years of experience with these academic credentials, you can expect to make somewhere between this and this. And generally comp is comprised of, I always talk about it as a triangle. You've got your base salary, you've got a target bonus, and then you've got the equity component. This is assuming you're jumping into a company that that gives equity because not all companies do, of course, but of those. And then also I should say there was kind of a fourth one there too, sometimes pending the level, pending the company, but um, sign-on bonus is another, another piece that we run into on a regular basis. So kind of either triangle or square <laughs> pending, <laughs> pending the position. But yeah, if you can find out, you know, exactly what the range is or what the counterparts are making, then what I would suggest is, and, and, you know, coming out of, out of school, you're not going to have anything to really compare it to. So it's not like you're going to share your current compensation. But if you're coming out of your, say, your first role in industry after after leaving, you know, the academic world, then typically compensation is based on where you currently are, you know, and they try to give you a, a good boost up from that. But, you know, again, is that fair? Is that market value? Is that what they're paying their other employees? You know, these are these are all unknowns and a good recruiter will have a sense for that. But often, you know, recruiters are going to want to know first from the candidate kind of, well, where are you? You know, what are you making? Okay, well, we can definitely get you a good boost from there because you are frankly underpaid right now. (laughs) Or, you know, so so if that's the case, then, you know, this is something that your recruiter is going to work in your favor. If you're already at the higher end of of that sort of range, then it it can sometimes be a bit tough, you know, and, and maybe hopefully the recruiter will say, well, you know, you're, you're already really well compensated and um, this is going to be a little bit of a challenge, but maybe we can sweeten the equity component of this, this deal, or maybe we can get you a little bit of a bigger sign-on bonus or, or, or I, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that's perfect. It kind of even goes back to, again, trusting your recruiter to work, to work for you and your benefit. But something real quick that I wanted to go back on is using that company, so Aon or Radford, I, I never I never knew that because that's something that I used was trying to leverage my network to I guess, at least give me a range or at least give me an idea of, okay, how much does this position make versus this position make? But is that website, is it free? Is it something? No, 
No, so you have to subscribe. And typically it's the employers that are members of it. And then they in turn provide their numbers as well. Mm. Um, so that Radford can have an up-to-date sort of real, real-time idea of the numbers. But what I have found over the years is there are certain geographical territories that are just so off with Radford, like yeah. Boston and San Francisco, for instance. They're always behind. And you know, the sort of the going rate that Radford projects for those two geographies is usually just in my own experience of real world, what people are actually making, it's usually lagging, you know, wow. Radford lags in those geographies for, for what, probably because they're so quickly moving and because they are getting significant pay increases more quickly than the rest of the world or the rest of, you know, like if you're based in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so um, no offense to anybody in Mobile, Alabama. No, not at all. I'm actually, <laughs> My whole family's from there originally, so that's why I go there. <laughs> there you go. Always your go-to. <laughs> there we go. Mm -hmm. well, that's, I'm that... from there, too. There you <laughs> Not go. really, but... <laughs> you can't be mad at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad you shared that because it harps on the piece of using your network uh, because that's something where you said, it's unfortunately, some individuals, it depends. Like, for me, I had fortunately had close friends that were able to share with me, uh, my, my network to share with me that range a little bit, but I know individuals sometimes struggle with that. But going yeah. back to that point of, again, having those close connections, having that network to give you that range so that when you go in to start negotiating or you go in to give a starting price to an executive firm, you know where you are and you know yeah. where you can go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, Sean, you know, this is, it, it's a different, it's a different discussion, discussion pending the level, you know, so for somebody that is right out of university, you're just, you're just stoked because you're getting a salary, you're paying your rent, you've got a beer fund, mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're ready to, ready to go out on Friday nights. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a different beast from, from, you know, when you're 10 years into your career and, and um, really comparing and contrasting. So different discussion all around. So I think for those just entering if you're happy with the numbers they're providing you, great, go for that it. You know? <laughs> that's all that matters is that you're, and, and actually that that's for anybody. If you're happy with the numbers they're providing, great, go for it. Even yeah. if you're a, a, a CEO, you know, if you're happy with it, perfect. You don't need to do the extra research. You can bypass that step. Completely agree. And I love how you bring that up because what I've seen, at least in my, my limited career, is sometimes people try to judge off each other. It's like, oh, well, I know this person's making this much, so then I need to make this much more. And like you said, yes. it, it should go down to what you're happy with at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. And if you are living in a lower cost of living area, you're going to be making less. You know, that's just, but you're also spending less. So it's it, it goes hand in hand. That's a good point. <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to ask, and I also want you to give away all of your secrets. So if you can't share too much, completely fine. Yeah. But I think what would be great for our listeners to know of is what can you actually negotiate when, mm -hmm. and let's, again, those will bypass the executive firm or recruiter, but it's you and the hiring manager, you and HR, and they gave you the offer. What is, I guess, in line to negotiate and what is out of line to negotiate. And I guess I'll give you, I know there's so many different ways we can take this, but I guess I'll give you four things that I can think of. And like you said, it depends on the company too. So I would say compensation, sign on bonus, um, incentives, if they give you those. And what about vacation is yeah. out of those four, what is actually realistic of what things you can negotiate for and what, what do you think bonus. 
Sign on. sign on bonus, sign on bonus, sign on bonus. That's always the easiest go-to. And again, this is at a certain level. You know, we're we're not looking right at it. Most likely, unless we're going to, you know, one of the, the big accounting firms, we're probably not going to be getting a sign-on bonus. So yeah, so, but again, it depends on the company. Generally speaking, the base salary is is sort of a I mean the fixed amount is you're not going to make more than your supervisor, right? So there's the there's the top end there. The target bonus is almost always the annual bonus is almost always a fixed amount. So that you're not going to be able to negotiate. What what does help with the annual bonus is if you're a superstar performer and you blow your goals out of the water such that you make 150% to target then you've just increased your annual bonus by that much. So significantly. Yeah. So that's how you can control that piece. Just be a superstar. And then when it comes to equity, that's usually pretty tight, pretty tough. Um, it depends if it's a privately held company. Yes, absolutely. You can negotiate on equity. If it's a publicly traded company, different can of worms um, gets much harder to negotiate equity. I mean, it's doable, but it's just, it's more regimented. Uh, but yeah, I go back to vacation typically set, you know, vacation is typically, that's a corporate policy. And normally it's two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, depending on the company. So, and, and you can earn more the longer you stay at the company, but generally speaking, you're not going to, you're not going to necessarily negotiate on vacation. Although what you could do is set up a kind of eye wink. I'm winking here, winky winky with your, your direct supervisor. Listen, I've got that trip to the Bahamas planned next month. I've already, you know, I'm already going can you just let me go? (laughs) And, you know, sometimes, and and I'm going to get the work done while I'm there, you know, but, and I guess in a COVID world, this doesn't matter as much anymore, but, um, or a zoom world, I should say, but yeah, yeah, definitely sign on bonus all the way is the most, is the the easiest place to negotiate. Perfect. Christy, (laughs) thank you so, so much. I think this is just a plethora of just insight, knowledge, advice, that will help all of our listeners. We appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. I think we're going to have you back on for multiple different, I'm already spinning different ideas, topics that we can discuss about, (laughs) but really appreciate But I want to give you one last second, any last minute advice that you would give young professionals, either about just applying for full-time jobs or just in general. um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for all that, Sean. And I'd love to come back. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say, you know, in terms of advice, make your network work for you. Number one, number two, persistence pays. So don't take no as an answer. Just keep plugging away. Don't be obnoxious about it, but just keep plugging away and pushing till you get to yes. And lastly, I would say be authentic, you know, be authentic with who you are as a human being, be authentic with your experience and be authentic with really evaluating the opportunity to make sure it truly is a good fit for you as well. Cause it, it's not just about the company, you know, the, the company is going to get what it wants out of you every single time. The real question is what do you want out of the company? What do you want out of your career? And the more authentic you can be with yourself about that, the better of a working experience you're going to have and a better, the better the career you're going to have. Perfect. Thank you so much, Christy, for all of this. And can't wait for our listeners to hear about this. My pleasure. Thanks, Sean. Take care. (laughs) Take care.